Welcome to the Southwest Apostolic Church podcast. Southwest Apostolic Church is located at 3161 South Rowena Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46241. Phone number 317-227-0182. Give us a call if we can help you. Our services are Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. Tuesday evening, we have prayer meeting at 7.30. And Wednesday evening, we have Bible class at 7.30. Our webpage, www.southwest-apostolic.com. You can find us on the web there. And you're welcome to any of the services. Uh, Our podcast will contain preaching from the pastor and other preachers. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. God bless. I believe he's involved in that. That's part of his plan. How can they hear without a preacher? And every preacher is responsible for what he says. And boy, that's serious, ain't it? (laughs) And uh, every preacher is responsible for how he does and how he acts. And and, uh, so pray for me today. I want to get everything out the right way. And uh, we're going to look at uh, Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Start with. I love the Word of God, though. I, one of the... I, I enrolled in some classes. Of course, I told you about it, but the Indiana Bible College, and man, that was a good thing because you learn so much that, you know, you, you even if you've been around for a while, there's stuff you can learn. Let's start with 724, very familiar portion of Scripture for all of us. Uh, <clears throat> Well, let's go to 21. Let's go ahead and start that out. Well, we really, well, let's just read 24 through 27, then we'll get into the rest of it. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The truth about God is God's word is the only sure foundation for the Christian life. Everything we do, say, believe should be founded on the word of God. And uh, every principle, every doctrine, we shouldn't have man-made doctrines. It's not about... uh, I think there is something they call a a pastoral preference. I think the pastor kind of sets guidelines as he sees fit. I understand that. But but those should still be all based on the Bible. Amen? I mean, it's not about somebody being in charge and saying, all right, I want everybody, all the ladies to wear white and all the men to wear dark black. 
<laughs> it's not about that. Somebody say amen. amen. I, somebody say amen. amen. But it is about being modest, isn't it? Yes. Amen. It is about being clean. Praise God. It is about being godly. So all those principles <clears throat> are involved. Uh, let's look also at uh, Matthew 25. Let's look at that real quick. Matthew 25. 25 and uh, 14. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 20, Matthew 25 and verse 20. Well, wait a minute. They've got me confused in this book here this morning. Matthew 25, verse 24. There we go. Now I'm not confused no more. <laughs> then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast that is thine. So what he's talking about there, if you read that, if you read that, <clears throat> he gave the talents, and uh, you know the story, most of us. One had five, one had three, one had one. The five made five, the three made three. Put effort in it, he brought forth fruit. He, gave, he took what he had and made something out of it. You know, and that's what God wants us to do. Take what we have, what he's given us, and make something out of it. Amen. I remember years ago there was an old commercial. It was the NAACP, and it was a mind is a terrible thing to waste. How many knows God gave us a good mind, most of us? Amen. And it's a terrible thing to waste. And he gave us different things. He gave us abilities to work. He gave us abilities to read. He gave us abilities to, to uh, function. And we're supposed to make something out of it. How many knows, I believe in our world today, people are living a life and, and they're, they're missing it so much because they're just kind of floating along. In our society, they're living in mom and dad's basement, playing video games, 25, 30 years old. Anybody heard about that? So Jesus, let's look at this. So Jesus, he's bringing these two things together, our lesson is anyway. And the title of the lesson says, The Priority of Obedience. And uh, some things have a priority in our life. And some things have a priority in, in all of our lives. And obedience is one of them. Now that's a word that some people may get nervous about. They, <laughs> you know, the Bible says uh, words like, uh, obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your soul, and they have to give an account. And uh, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, yes. as they mu that must give an account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And uh, for the time is come that judgment, Peter said, must begin at the house of God. 
And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And it's the word obey, children, obey your parents, for this is right. The Bible talks about let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. And it just the word obey is in here a few times. I mean, we have trouble with that. But so Jesus, let's go back to let's go back to Matthew 7, okay? That's where we want to go back to. Matthew 7. Matthew 7th chapter. Everybody say amen. Help us out today. <laughs> Verse 24. 724. Okay, now let's go back up a little bit. If you look at the 7th chapter, Jesus is giving instructions. He talks about judging others. Now this is all part of this sermon, but he talks about judging others. Judge not that you be not judged. For with that judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Now what he's talking about, that's a little bit misunderstood. Everybody makes judgment calls. Everybody judges. Everybody makes decisions. Like everybody has, everybody discriminates. You either discriminate against chocolate ice cream and buy the vanilla, praise the Lord. Or you like strawberry. So you make a choice. You make a judgment call. You make a judgment whether to get out in the rain or not. You make judgments. And that's, everybody has to make those. And you even have to see somebody or see things going on. And you judge whether you want to be involved in that. And you judge whether you want to deal with that or not. Everybody makes judgments. So when he says, judge not, <clears throat> that you be not judged, he's talking about pronouncing judgment on people. Yes. Condemning people. How many knows we don't go around condemning anybody? That's not our job. That's not my job. Now, let me say this. Things are, there are things that are, going, are condemned. There are things that God's going to deal with. He is going to pass judgment on this world one day. People, and somebody is going to be lost. That's just the way it is. And that's out of our hand, really. But our job is not to go around judging people and condemning them. You see, a lot of times you make a decision or a judgment on somebody and put a bad cast it in a bad way and you don't know all the facts how many knows you can't decide on some things when you don't know all the facts but see Jesus and knows all the facts <laughs> that's why he's the judge and not me aren't you glad he's the judge I said aren't you glad he's the judge you see so that's what he's telling them there he said don't be that don't be a, a don't judge. Don't put your judgment on. Don't put your condemnation on things. You're not the one that's supposed to go around condemning people. And people do that. People do that. Some people think if something bad happens to you, you're sinning. You know that? They all wonder what they did. That's what Job's buddies told him. Job, we know you've done something or this wouldn't be happening to you. No, life happens. I don't care who you are. You can be a great guy or you can be a scoundrel and life's going to happen to you. Righteous men get cancer. Sinners get cancer. <laughs> Amen? So just because somebody has something wrong with them, don't go around thinking they've done something 
They've, they've sinned. Now, God could be using something on somebody, but you see, let me say this. There are some things that are in God's hands. There are some, there are some things that are not in our hand, They're not in our power. The disciples asked Jesus, they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said, that's not for you to know right now. And he said, that, that's, in, that's not in your power. That, that belongs to the Father. That's up to God. You know, in other words, there's some things that belong to God. And who's, when it comes down to the final judgment, he's the judge. And he's the one's going to make all the decisions. Because he knows what he's doing. You don't know what you're doing when you run somebody down and talk about them. Hallelujah. You talk about, yeah, something happened to them. They're no good. Hey, yeah, they've done something. They, if they wouldn't be doing what they're doing, that wouldn't be happening to them. Shame on you. Because you're not supposed to say that. I believe that. <laughs> Our job is to tell people God loves them, what God can do for them, and what God wants to do for them. Amen. And they don't want to be lost. They want to be saved, and they want to follow Jesus because it's the best life there is. That's our job. And we're supposed to, and we're going to get into it. Our job is to show them it's the best life there is. Our job is to produce something that other people don't have. Our job is to produce a fruit that they don't see everywhere. Our job is to be a light. Our job is to be a, a city that's set on a hill. It can't be hid. That's our job. So that's what we're going to get into here in a minute. Uh, he said, you see the mote in thy brother's eye, but you consider it's not the beam that's in your own eye. That's all pretty familiar. And then he tells them to ask, and it will be given. And then he gives them the golden rule, verses 12 through 14. And then he said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You all know that you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. <clears throat> a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, he's talking about... False prophets there. You see, now what he's talking about, you shall know, you know, you know people by their life, and but he's talking, a false prophet is telling people something, and he's producing fruit. Like a guy that believes in the Trinity, he's, prof he's preaching pre baptism in the Trinity, and he's preaching that to people, and he's bringing forth that fruit because he's making disciples that believe that. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Didn't get an amen. I must have, made, must have went over my head. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so a good tree brings forth good fruit. When you preach the right thing, you produce people that are doing the right thing. Amen. Amen. You want people. <laughs> when you preach the right thing, people do the right thing. And when you preach the wrong thing, people do the wrong thing. That's why who, who you listen to to preach to you is very important. Who I listen to preach to me is very important. Because I don't want to be following after somebody that ain't preaching the truth. I'm going to tell you that right now. I want to try to follow somebody that's preaching right. Praise the Lord. And let me say this. 
You're supposed to be mature enough. You know when somebody's preaching and they get out of the book, you can say it in your own mind, say they just lost me right there. If you know your word enough, amen. When you're listening to that guy and he said, well, you, you, the Holy Ghost is not for us today. You need to say you lost me right there. Because you came too late to tell me I can't have the Holy Ghost because I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. God's been good to me. You came too late to tell me. So then he goes on now. Not every, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me. Now this is Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that, now here it is. Here's where we're getting our lesson here. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now whether you do God's will or not is totally up to you. I can't make you do God's will. I can't make you obey the word of God. I can't make you do anything. And how many knows, when it's all said and done, you don't really want to make your children do anything. You'd like for them just to listen to you. <laughs> You'd like for your kids just to take your advice. Isn't that right? We, Daniel came over with his boys and Jamie came over with his kids yesterday. Ethan had his third birthday the other day, so Sister Young got him an ice cream cake, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Everybody likes a Dairy Queen cake, man, I'm telling you. If you don't like a Dairy Queen ice cream cake, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but Daniel was talking. Now, see, Daniel's seeing his little boys grow up, and he's remembering how he was. And we were sitting there and had, we had Ethan, who's three, Noah, who's what, five, and Henry, who's seven. Daniel said, I'm just thinking about the time they all go get out in the car together and leave. <laughs> I said, yeah, one of them hit 16. They said, you need something from the store? Let's go. And they all pile in the car. Boy, it makes you nervous, praise the Lord. He knows what they was doing when they was in the car. That's why. And everybody knows you reap what you sow. <laughs> but you'd like for the kid to get in the car and say, you guys be careful. You boys don't be getting put in your, don't be going too fast. Wouldn't you like to be able, and then they say, okay, dad. And they get in the car and they don't go too fast. Wouldn't you like for it to be that way? But how many knows people don't always do that. I know, because my, my, my boys confessed some things later on. They got older, what they did. They said they was coming around 465. We had that little Mustang, and I think Jamie was driving, and they had their rock and roll on. They was cruising around the interstate, and they started drag racing this guy. There was Daniel and Jamie and a couple kids from Calvary Christian School, and they're flying around the interstate drag racing with this guy. And the next thing you know, Jamie said there's a car right in front of him, and he has to slam on the brakes, and they're spinning on the highway, and rubbers flying in the back window, hitting Josh Dawkins in the face. And they, and they, they, and they just and they all spun, and they all sat there, and nothing happened. They didn't get hurt. Thank God for it. Aren't you glad God's good? So they turned on Caleb and slowed down. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
That's their word. That's their words. We turned on Caleb. <laughs> but you'd like for people just to do, but some reason, some people say, I'm going to do it my way. Some people don't like anybody telling them anything. But see, that's not the point. The point is everybody should have a desire to do God's will. It's not my will. I'm not trying to get anybody to do my will. That's not my job. My job is to try to get people to do God's will. Amen? And to present what God's will is. And to present it the right way. Amen? Preach the word, Timothy. That's what Paul told him. He said, preach the word, Timothy. So, not everyone that saith unto me shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. God's will is made known unto us by his word. Now see, he, that this, now listen to this, let me finish this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And he says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't want to hear that, do you? I don't want to hear that. Okay? But what they're saying is if another, another uh, he said, I never knew you. That's like Adam knew Eve. And that's the, how the scriptural way of saying they had relations. They had a relationship. You, there's people that do things in, in the name of the Lord. There's preachers preaching right now that aren't really interested in the will of God. They're preaching for the money. Look at the crazy stuff on the television. I don't know how anybody could figure follow anybody on that thing from what I've seen. My son, I told you this, my son the other day said uh, there was a man, his, I, I won't tell you his name, but he was, a, he was an apostolic man at one time, and God did use him. I had a pastor friend of mine said he was on the money. He was in, went to crusade in the Philippines with this man. And he said God was using him. But here's what happened. He said they were eating one day and the, my friend's wife said, uh, Brother so-and-so, service is going to start. Don't you think we all need to go back to the hotel and pray a little bit before the service? There's a big crusade. And here's what the, the man said. He said, no, nah, I'm not worried about it. He said, it, it's on every time I get up there, I got it. I don't have to pray about it. Guess what? He failed big time. And that's the kind of attitude that will make you fall big time. Because every one of us, I don't care how good a gift we got, we need to seek God and say, God, you got to help me. I don't care how much money you got, how much talent you got, everybody needs to bow before God and say, Lord, help me do it your way. Help me do it the way you want it done. Help me give it. And that is the relationship God's looking for. Some people don't think much about it. They're not really thinking, God, can I do better? God, can I do more? What do, you, what do you really want out of me? What do you really want my life to look like? What do you really want me to present? What do you, some people don't think like that. But if you, how many knows, if you love somebody, you want to please them. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he, goes on, then he goes on to say, therefore, therefore, in other words, all these people are going to say they 
did cast out devils in my name, and they 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 cast out devils. They did many wonderful works. And he said, I'm going to profess unto them I never knew them. Therefore, in other words, if that's true, if that's true, that's true, okay? And since that's true, I'm going to tell you something. Whosoever doeth, heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And this is so familiar to every one of us. But he's saying a person that really has a relationship and hears these sayings of mine and does them, and let me throw this in, does them because they want to. That's the whole key. That's the whole key. What is God's will and what am I supposed to be doing? That's what every one of us are supposed to look for ourselves to find out. What does God want out of a child of God? How does a child of God live? How does the child of God look? How does the lady of God look? How does a man of God look? How do they act? What do they do? Every one of us should wonder that question. What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to? I pray this way. I say, God, because I've got one of them. I've told you this. I've got one of them countenances. My sons, can, I can be sitting in the room thinking about something, and my son say, what's the matter with you, Dad? Well, ain't nothing matter with me. I just got one of them faces, I guess. You know? But I want to have the right countenance, don't you? I want to, when I meet people, I don't want them to think, look at me with the guy with a big frown on his face and think I'm, you know. I want them to, I want to have the right, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Appearance. Appearance, but I want to make the right impression. Not a, not a goofy impression or a, or an impression that doesn't mean anything. But I'm talking about to, 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 to impress, be, be what God wants me to be, in other words. That's going to be effective for God, don't you? Yeah. Amen. So he said, if you do them, if you do them, you're, going to, you're like a wise man that builds your house upon a rock. Because when you build on God's word, it lasts. Okay? Any person, any family, any church, any organizational church movement, as long as they obey and seek to obey the word of God, they'll stand. As long as they're, are you understanding me? Because what happens is, here's what happens. It happens to individuals, it happens to uh, churches, and it happens to movements. The movement will start out with a person or people that have a great desire to please God. They'll, they'll, they'll codify their thinking. They'll have, you know, and they make a movement out of it. They'll have, you know, a big movement, a big worldwide movement. And like, let's say, uh, let's say like the Methodist movement, just pick one out. Years ago, 1700s, John Wesley, go out in the field and preach. They had a revival. People fall out. You read about all this. And they got, the, and they preached holiness, and they preached holiness unto the Lord. And they, and they had, all, and the Methodist movement grew. They came to America, and it grew. And they were, but now, you see, what happens is, it takes, when you have a movement that is desiring to have God, and to find God, you'll have God. But when you have a movement, then, then, here's what happens. People start putting their own thinking on it. Well, I don't see no big deal there. 
I don't think that's that's big deal. Pastor don't need to preach that. I don't really think that's a big deal. And I don't think I need to do that. He might say that, but I don't think that's the problem. Not because somebody's preaching something they want, or but if somebody's preaching the word of God, I got a responsibility to say, you know what, maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to follow the word of God. You know, because like I say, a pastor's job is not to present his ideas. His, his job is to preach the word of God and present the word of God. And any movement, and what happens now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not picking on any movement, but I'm telling you, you've got some of these movements that were born in holiness, born in separation from the world, born in godliness, born in people doing right things. And now the same movements are ordaining homosexuals to be bishops. Now, how do you get from that to that? I'll tell you how you get there. People start thinking with their own brain. That's how. People start deciding this ain't that important and I don't need to listen to this one and I don't need to hear that and that ain't that big a deal and the next thing you know, you get off track. I don't want to be off track. I'll tell you that right now. I'm too old to be off track. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but the wisdom of obedience, the, this, the, just hearing God's word is insufficient. God is looking for someone that would hear his word and do it. Amen. Saul was probably one of the biggest examples that we could talk about in this way. Because Saul was, he was, here was another guy. He was head and shoulders above Israel. He was big, tall, strong. And he was kind of humble. He kind of hid when they wanted to make him king, when God chose him to be their first king, and he kind of hid amongst the stuff. When they, when they went to, to anoint him king, and he was hiding, he was kind of backward and bad. But after he became king, he kind of liked being king. And the prophet would give him instructions. And he didn't... Well, the first thing he did, he got into an area he didn't belong in when the, when the uh, prophet didn't show up when he thought he should to do the sacrifice. He went ahead and did the sacrifice. He got into, you know, you can get into areas you don't belong in. <laughs> and we all have to learn that sometimes, you know. Let me say something. You might talk about how your boss runs his company. But until you're the boss, you really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I retired, my boss, I was, went in his office, and uh, he was giving out checks, you know. It was the end of the month. And he had 60 checks. He said six. When I started, they had like 18 or 20, okay. But over the years, he said we got, I got, it's, he had 60 people working for him. 60, Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of work going on that you don't know about if you've got 60 people working for you. There's a lot of book work going on. There's a lot of paperwork. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody had anybody work for you, two or three people, and you're trying to do it right? You've got a lot of stuff involved. And sometimes guys that talk about how the boss is doing this and how the boss, they don't really, they don't have a clue what it's like to have 60 people working for you and have that responsibility on their shoulders. 
And people have responsibilities sometimes on their shoulders and people talk about them and say things about them and they don't have a clue what to talk. Come on, somebody. We don't have a clue. If you don't have a clue, (laughs) mind your own business. How's that? Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, and that goes for everybody. Parents, that's why why Jesus said don't judge. You don't know. A parent trying to raise a child and they're doing the best they can and somebody putting condemnation on them because their kid's not doing right. Well, that ain't always the parent's fault. Sometimes kids just hard-headed. And they're going to do what they want to do. That don't mean the parent's a bad parent. And that don't make a pastor bad just because everybody in the church don't do what he says. Some people look at churches and see somebody doing something the pastor don't really like. And they talk about the church. They talk about the pastor. Well, he must not believe in it. Well, that's not true. Are you with me? One preacher got, big time preacher got in trouble. <laughs> Had a high ranking, high mucky muck official <laughs> preached one thing and he preached if people aren't doing right, it's a pastor's fault. <laughs> and well, you probably know Jeff Arnold got up the next day <laughs> and he said, the guy that said that's a dingbat. If you've ever heard Jeff Arnold, anybody ever heard Jeff Arnold preach, you know what I'm talking about. He said, I can't control everything everybody does in my church. He said, the guy said that's a dingbat. Well, the guy that said that was the assistant general superintendent. So guess what? They kind of frowned on him saying that about that. <laughs> but I don't think Jeff Arnold really cared, to be honest with you. Huh? Well, he don't preach there much anymore, I'll tell you that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say, but it's not, a, you know, if your kid's acting up, it ain't, that might be your fault. You might need to be paying attention to what they're doing. You might not, you might not to say little Johnny's perfect and when he's not. Okay, we understand all that. But on the other hand, just because somebody's doing something don't mean it's your fault. How do we get on that anyway? Because we're talking now about doing the will of God, doing hearing the word of God, and Saul got into an area he didn't belong in. He wasn't the priest. He wasn't supposed to be offering the sacrifice. And that's why Samuel came along later, and he said, is not obedience better than sacrifice? God's more interested, Saul, in you obeying him than he is you offering a sacrifice that you're not supposed to be offering. Saul, you need to obey. Saul did have an obedience problem. Because then, later on, they said, uh, go, go and fight the Amalekites, and, and the time of their punishment is now. They, their iniquity is full. God said, wipe them out. You know how they did back in those days. Everybody, clean them out. Well, so Saul went, Sam, uh, Saul went in. They fought the battle, and here they come. They kept, they, they, the Lord said, clean it out, everything. Animals, I want it all done. I don't want it. And, and here they come. Saul came, he had the king with him, he had the sheep and oxen with him. And uh, Samuel came and said, Saul, why didn't you obey the word of God? Why didn't you do? He said, I have obeyed the word of God. And Samuel said, well, 
Why do I hear those sheep making those noises? And why do I hear those oxen back there groaning? Put it in my words. Why do I hear that if you obeyed the word? If, I, if you obeyed the word, I ain't supposed to be hearing no oxen. And if you obeyed the word, I ain't supposed to be hearing no bah. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be hearing that if you obeyed the word of God, see. And Saul lost the kingdom over that. And he said, then he blamed it on the people and said, well, the people wanted to keep the good stuff for the sack to make sacrifice. But see, God's not interested in what kind. I don't care how much money people give. It don't matter how much money you give. It matters whether you're doing God's will or not. It don't matter what you put in the plate. It matters what your heart's doing. And Samuel, Saul got in a place where he liked being king and he thought he was a big shot and he did not have to obey explicitly God's word. And he lost the kingdom over it. He lost everything over that because he, let me say, every I and, you know, dotted I and cross T and instruction and the principles, it's important to follow God. It's important. You can't just throw off something. When I, can I say something? When I first got in church, everything they did, now I kind of knew about it because I was not a, I, I was around apostolic churches since I was a little guy, like Oliver, that, that, younger than that even. So I knew what they believed and I knew what they did and I knew what they didn't do. But when I come back to church when I was 24 years old, been out of craziness, and got back into church, I stepped back and I watched everything. And what they did, and didn't do, I kind of watched. And, but I ran it through my brain. And you know what I ran? Here's what I did. I ran it through my brain, my little processor, my microprocessor, this little processor I got here. And I thought, here's, they do this and they don't do that. And I took almost every instance and I looked and said what this said. Yeah, I understand why they don't do that. Yeah, that's in there. I see that. I see that. And then I think about something else. Yeah, I see that. I understand that. And then I see, yeah, I see that. I understand that. And that's what everybody should do. That's what everybody should do. Not just some little kid that don't know nothing like me. But when the church has a standard, I didn't argue with it. I just kind of ran it through my brain and figured out what they was trying to accomplish. And then I said, yeah, I can understand that. I agree with that. I see why they're doing that. I see why the ladies wear dresses. I understand that. They're trying to let the world know that ladies are ladies. And I'm going to tell you what, I got saved 40 years ago. And if there was ever a time for a lady to be a lady in today's world, today's it. Who was taking the, look back 50 years ago and look who was take, taking the right stand. I think we were, weren't you? Amen. All the way through, everything. I believe, I believe with all my heart, everything the apostolic church stands for is Bible-based. I really do. Or I wouldn't preach it if I didn't. Holiness, modesty, godliness, separation from the world, all that's in the Bible. Somebody say amen. amen. But see, how much you do of it and how much you feel about it and what you think about it is up to you. Okay. But don't let a little spirit of disobedience keep you from doing God's word and make you think you're all right when you might not be. 
That is dangerous. And, and the thing about it, it might not see the bad part is it might not be the thing, it's the attitude behind the thing. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. That's the worst kind of attitude anybody could ever have. Because God's going to tell you what to do. And he's, you're not going to argue with him. You can argue with me, but you're not going to argue with him. Anybody is. So the value of obedience. And when I think of obedience, I don't think of beating somebody with a rod. I don't think of that. I think of a horse that's knows what he, a horse that's a productive horse. Not one that can't be broke. You ever heard about a horse that couldn't be broke? He's not worth much. Looks pretty, but you can't use him. God can't use somebody if they won't be broken. If they won't submit, if they won't take a saddle, if they won't take a bridle. Are you with me? And the Holy Ghost is a bridle. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that the bridles have holiness unto the Lord on them. Okay? And the Holy Ghost will bridle you. It'll lead and it'll guide you. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay? So the bridle and the animal and these things, you have to be able to obey. A horse obey. Now, a good horse, you don't have to hit him with a two before in the head when you're riding him. Right? Now, a mule you might have to, but a good horse you don't have to. You sit in the saddle, and he's got the little reins that come up around his neck, and he's got the bridle in his mouth. And a good horse, you just take those reins, and you lay them on his neck. And you, everybody ever heard of neck rein? You neck rein a horse. A good horse, you can, you can neck rein. You just lay it on his, lay that rein on his neck, and he'll turn that way. Then you take your rein, lay it back this way, and he'll lay it back. You don't have to yank that side of his head trying to get him to turn. That's the way people are. Sometimes you've got, you got to have to yank their head to get. <laughs> but see, God don't want us like that. We're no, a horse that won't take a saddle, a horse that won't take a bridle. He might be a beautiful, strong horse, and he might be a valuable horse, but he can't, he's not worth much if you can't train him and he doesn't obey. You know, you get a little of them guys, you ever go up to fair, and they got them horses, and they pull on the rein, and the horse backs up like that. I thought that was so cool. Or a horse hooked up with a, and then a horse hooked up with a bunch of other horses. We go to fair sometimes, the state fair, and they have the during the day they'll have them. People have their own stage coaches. I, they must have too much money. Is all I know is if you got running around the fair and you got horses and stage coaches, and that's what you do for fun. <laughs> Anybody got any stage coaches? <laughs> Or wagons, and they got these horses, and they're all decked out, you know, and they got them all fixed up. But you, even a team of horses have to work together. Are you with me? The team has to go the right way. The team has to obey. And the churches, that's why a church, get behind, you know, what the preacher preaches, get behind what the church stands for, and let's all be on the same team, and let's all go the same way. That's when something happens. Amen. That's when things are productive. When people are obeying the will of God and they want to obey it. Praise the Lord. So Saul missed out on God's blessing because he did not obey God's command. Jesus said, God doesn't obey. He builds his house. The guy that doesn't do the word, he, his house is built on sand. I don't care how rich they get. I don't care how much money they've got. 
I don't care how big their house is in Manhattan. I don't care. When it's all said and done. Now see, let me throw this in. The word house doesn't just necessarily mean a house on the corner. The house is your life and your family. And you, like the house of David, it represents the kingdom of David. Everything about David. David was, the, and the, you know, the house of David or the house of Saul or the house of Matthews. Or, see, that, you're, that's you, your house, your life, your, everything about you. And I don't care how big a house somebody, the house of Trump. I don't care how big it is. If it's not built on God's word, it's not going to stand. Okay? And that's not political. That's just using an example because if you don't build on the word of God, you're not building on a sure foundation. You're not building on anything eternal. You can have a big mansion in Manhattan if you want to. You can have a big skyscraper named after you, but you're going to die. You're not, that's not going to go with you. That's not going to mean anything to you when you're gone. So the idea is build your house on the word of God. And do the word of God. Seek, pray about it. Pray about what you hear. Pray about what the preacher preaches. Pray about what the word of God says. Pray and ask God. Because how many want to do the will of God? He said, if you do the will of God, your house, he said, you, you do what he says in his word, your house will stand. Okay. And sometimes there's things in our life we need to get out of them. Sometimes there's things we need to do different. But I'm going to tell you, the will of God and being right with God is the most important thing. Somebody say amen. That's the most important thing. Amen. God bless you. How many we have today, Sister Young? How many? 23. Thank God for those that came by today. Remember our service tonight, brother? Uh, I got a young brother. Let's see. I got his name here. He's, he's a young man. He wants to, he's going to Turkey to be a missionary to Turkey. And he's from Indiana, and he's going to go. So he's going to come tonight and preach for us, and we'll hear about what he wants to do. So uh, that being said, anybody have a birthday or anybody have an anniversary or anything we need to sing happy birthday to? If not, let's stand. Thanks for being here this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Oh, remember, brother, uh, uh, remember uh, Dorothy and McMillan from Zimbabwe. They, they had to work today. They, they let me know that they weren't going to be here. They didn't get off work till 5, but they'll be here tonight. So they, she told me. So remember them in prayer. We want to see them get established in the church. Amen. Amen. And anybody else you can think of that's not here, and uh, for whatever reason, let's pray that God help them. And so let's pray. Jesus, we thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord, for all that was... Brought it forth and help us, God, do it right way and be the right way. All those things, oh, Lord, we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Bring us back to your house again tonight. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Southwest Apostolic Church. If we can help you, we will. Give us a call, 317-227-0182. Send us an email, SWAC3161 at gmail. If we can help you, we want to. God bless. Thanks for listening.